0: Welcome back to The Everyday Hair Colourist. Today's special guest is Harriet Stokes. Hello, Harriet.
1: Hi, Jack. How are you?
0: Um, I'm good, thank you. I'm really thrilled to finally get you on here. I know that we've sort of been trying to fix the dates and everything. You're super busy,
1: Um, which is good, which is a good thing. I know, I know. So we're finally here. I'm really excited.
0: It's brilliant, Harriet. So, if any of you don't know Harriet, and I don't know how you do not know Harriet, (laughs) she's taught all over the world, including South Africa, Australia, and India. She's a Babbleist Pro Ambassador. She's also working with Hair.com, which is a totally new thing, which I want to talk about a little bit later on, Harriet. Mm-hmm. Um, but gosh, so much. Cover of Creative Head. You've done an awful lot in what seems like a short time. Um, first of all, how did you get into hairdressing?
1: So, yeah, it just it feels like it's not been that long, but it has. So I started when I was 20, no, not when I was 20, when I was 14... Um, 14. Yeah, the school I went to opened a salon within the school um, and it just became something that was available and they encouraged me to do. So my background, I'm kind of from a family of hairdressers as well. There's, I think there's about eight in total in my family, so there's quite a lot. Oh. Um, it's in the blood. Yeah, definitely, definitely. But it was always one of those things when I was growing up, mum was like, you're going to be a hairdresser and I was like, no, no I'm not, definitely not. And then in, here I am. Um so yeah, it kind of went from there and then I went full time at 16, qualified at 17, 18 and then moved to London when I was 20.
0: So because this so having a salon in a school mm. feels very American to me. Not particularly English, so it's that's quite a modern concept, I think. Yeah, so I've it not was. heard of that in well, this, the UK. Well, this before. is it.
1: They were um, trialing it out. So there's this company called Francesco Group, who yes. has yeah quite a few salons and academies. And the academy in Birmingham launched it within our school, so it was sponsored by them and run by them. Um, and it was like a two year program. So basically, essentially, did my NVQ level one. So it gave me like the insight into hairdressing. Um, that's fantastic isn't it because it's like yeah yeah definitely they should definitely do things like a lot more things like that because it I wasn't I wasn't your typical kind of good academic kind of student at school like I was very creative very very sporty but I always knew I'd be I'd end up doing something hands-on and I think to have that insight into that was amazing at such a young age to then realize like that's what I wanted to do
0: that's brilliant, because you can leave with an MVQ, so you can mm. leave school with a qualification, and also you can get a taste for hairdressing yeah. before going into it at 16 and sort of stumbling into it or yeah, something. Def- yeah, exactly. We should start a petition for that. We
1: should, I shouldn't think. we? Get that going again. Definitely.
0: <laughs> Definitely. So you, were, you started out in Birmingham,
1: yeah. which
0: is where your family are, yeah? Uh-huh,
1: yeah, in the West Midlands, a place called Solly Hall.
0: Right. And then moving to London, I mean, Birmingham is one of the biggest cities outside of London, of yeah. course, anyway. So it's quite cosmopolitan. Uh-huh. What was it like moving to London for you?
1: Um, do you know what? It was a bit of a, a random situation. I was At the time, I was on a, a team called the J H D Style Squad and um, I'd aud- auditioned to be part of that. There was like 12 of us on the team and it basically meant every month I'd be down in London or Leeds doing training. And right. that's where I met Grace. So Grace Dalgleish, yes, and we became really good friends. Um, and one night she was like, "Oh, I'm looking for a housemate in January. Um, my housemate's leaving, need someone to fill the room." And I was just like, "Oh my god, I'm going to do it. Why not? I'm just going to do it." And because she was the same age as me, I looked up to her so much. I was like, "You're 19, 20, and you live in London. Like, I'm just going to do it." So I didn't. There wasn't much. It wasn't like loads of preparation behind it. It just happened. And I think I was just so excited and, like, bright-eyed and wanted to learn everything. Like, the transition was quite easy. Um, and I'm from the countryside, so it's completely different to city life. But, yes. yeah, I settled quite well. But when I first went down there, I worked, um, like, an hour and 15 minutes away from where I lived. So I had quite a long commute. So that first That's a really week, long
0: commute. Yeah, hard. massively.
1: I did it the, such, yeah. the, the wrong way around. I lived in zone two. And I travelled out to Zone 5 to work. Um, And that lasted three months of doing that. And then I realised, okay, I can't do this anymore. Um, And that's when I moved salons. But that kind of time frame gave me a lot of um, time to get used to London and just settle in. And then when I started at the next salon, that was like 100 miles an hour. Um, But do you know what? I think lockdown gave me time to explore London more. Like the, the surrounding areas around my house going for walks and stuff. And I, I really, really love London. Like yes. it's so beautiful.
0: It's a great city, and it it's really got loads is. of character and loads of different spots that you can find. And I think sometimes, especially if you're doing an hour and a, a three-hour commute a day, mm. nearly to get to work, you don't see anything. You, like all you see is the tube nothing. station and the train.
1: Literally, yeah. Oh my god, yeah. completely. And the last few years of working really, really, really hard, like. Six, seven days a week i 've not seen London at all, so now i 'm just like absolutely loving it which is which is good because yeah. i as I, I needed that
0: I think you need so there 's been a lot of talk on this podcast, especially from women, um, mm-hmm. and I think that women usually get the burden more of trying to balance the lives at, yes. you know at home and stuff like that than men and I think that finding a balance is a very important conversation. In our community at the moment and I yeah. think that if anything lockdown showed us that we there, were, there was more than just working even though it was hard not working mm. in many ways um, it showed us something else and to maybe recalculate yeah it
1: all. 100% agree like honestly so agree it was weird wasn't it like the first three weeks was like, I don't know what to do with myself I feel really guilty not doing anything and then towards the end of lockdown I was like I'm actually really enjoying this so I um, transitioned from being employed to self-employed during lockdown as well. So I came out the other side of it just like raring to go, but also in the mindset of I'm gonna give myself proper time off and just be yes. just be kind to myself, you know, and like actually enjoy life as well as work. And and I do I do agree like you have to work hard to get somewhere. So of course keep working hard, but if you can allow yourself proper time off, you're gonna work better when you do work.
0: Yes, I I tell you something funny. So sort of just on that kind of thing, yesterday I went out in the middle of the day Mm. and I forgot to take my phone with me and I sort of got halfway down the walk in the street and I'm like, shall I go back and get the phone? I'm like, forget it. It's all going to be there when you got home. And I went off and I was gone for four hours and I came home and I'm like, that felt really refreshing. But it's sometimes, Yeah, it was lovely. Um, But that's kind of difficult to sometimes do that stuff because there's always this... I mean, if you're career-driven, there's yeah. always this sort of pull at you yes. that you've got to keep going. You've got to, be, going, doing got you've to, got to keep... be doing something. Yes. Always. And But when you're so tired,
1: mm.
0: um, you can't actually do a good job anyway.
1: Yeah. No, it's true. Because, yeah, you're not giving yeah. it your all. I've just been a week without a phone, actually. Um, I had a slight drama with uh, the phone department and um, it was actually really nice. I really embraced it. Given yeah, I was away, I had four days at the con- um not the country, at the sea, um, down in Cornwall, but I didn't need my phone. And to have that four days away was so nice. Like, yes. so nice. And to know that I wasn't contactable and that I didn't need to be working. Because I, I struggled when I went into being freelance, the biggest struggle for me at the beginning was managing my own time. And and when I wasn't doing stuff, I felt guilty. Yes. So, for example, on my days off, like on Sundays, I'd be working on my phone and at night watching TV and Grace would be like, what are you doing? Get off your phone. And it's like, yeah, but it's it's constant. Like, you're available all the time, aren't you? So yes. it kind of, from not having my phone the last week, it's made me realise I need a work phone and I need to separate... Things the two, yeah. I do. I do. At some point, you have to put your phone away and be like, Enough's enough for tonight, you know. Because you could be on WhatsApp and chatting to your friends, when work stuff can come in and it's so late at night, but you, you do it anyway because you feel like, Oh, I've seen it now. I need to do it. So, yes, I can't
0: actually once I've seen it, I can't unsee yes. it.
1: Yes, yeah. So, you act on it straight away, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. So, just and like kind of respecting that a bit more. But I've managed to find a good balance now, actually. It's, um, it's really nice. I'm enjoying it.
0: That's great to hear.
1: Mm.
0: What was it like for you? You you come to London and you were working in an incredibly busy, successful salon. And mm. it was like so much going on. You were teaching, travelling. And the last time I saw you um, before lockdown, it was a, a creative ed event. And it was all about digital and everything.
1: Oh, yeah. It's the start of the year. Yeah.
0: And you felt... To me, to me, I sort of felt you were tired, mm. that you were... It was like you felt like, whoa, do you know what I mean? It was mm. like more... Lots of people want you, don't mm. they? I mean, it's like you're in demand.
1: Busy. Yeah, <laughs> which is Busy. a good thing. No, do you know what? I, I, I think I came to the back end of exhaustion just done. Like, there, I, obviously, I worked in a really, really well-known salon, and it was fast-paced, and it was 100 miles yes. an hour, and it was incredible. And when I went to work there, I kind of said to myself, you know, I'm here to learn and I know what I'm putting myself in for. And, you know, I'm going to get a lot of really amazing things out of this if I give 110%. So I did. Um, But in the back of my head, I always knew there was a time limit on that because there's only so much you can push yourself for. Um, And I was ill on repeat every six weeks and that would be my burnout and I could put it in my diary like that month I'm gonna be burnt out and that's just how it went but I learned to work through it instead of actually resting because there was no time to rest and working for such a big company that had education planned six to eight months ahead I knew my diary nearly a year ahead and it also meant that I you know I wasn't very good at factoring in time off um, and obviously when you work for someone as well, you can't have as much time off as you'd like. No, um, definitely so not. <laughs> I just, yeah, definitely, definitely not. So I just I just knew that there was a, a limit to how long I could go at that fast pace for. Um, and that, but there wasn't an option to slow down within that company. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so I, I kind of, when I saw you in January, I knew I was coming to the point of um, change. And, um yeah. Yeah, so I I think I was just, yeah, exhausted. But it's um, when lockdown came for me, it came at a really good time because I I was due to leave and transition into my next journey. Um, But it actually gave me forced break to actually step away. And And stop. Yeah, proper stop and reconnect with myself um, and my body and, you know, figure out what makes me happy again other than work. Um, and it's yeah, I've been able to come out the other end of it stronger, which is amazing. Um, it is amazing, yeah, and it's it wonderful is. to hear that. Yeah, definitely. And it is there is also like there was I did a couple of events um, recently in August. I had a shoot for Creative Head. Uh, within that same week, I had a online event with Pulp Riot, and um, last minute I had to step in and host. So that week then came consumed with learning what I had to do for that role. Um, and because I hadn't factored that into my working week or time schedule, I came out the next week ill. Like, but I had there was there was no way to have predicted that would have happened. But again, it's making me look at my diary and being like, okay, stop trying to put too many things in. You know, because now now I'm in control of it. I can manage that better.
0: Yes, the power of the word no mm. uh, isn't. It's not negative at no. all. It's like actually, I just I can't be my best in that. I can't yeah. do that. At yeah, that exactly. Time. Yeah.
1: Instead of saying yes to everything and not giving it all that you could, I think. Yeah, learning to say no is probably the best thing you can learn to do as a hairdresser. So anyone listening that's rubbish at saying no, learn how to say no and you're helpful. Well, thank I think you. I might take a lesson from you because I need
0: to know that one.
1: <laughs> it's hard though, isn't it?
0: Yeah, it's, I find it really hard. I mean, I can say no to lots of other things, but yeah. food and work, I find it difficult food too. Food and work,
1: so. oh my God, same with me. <laughs>
0: I love the fact that you've also, your, your roommate is your age and that you've got someone to talk to that doesn't work with you but works in the industry yeah. and that you can bounce things off. And I think that's really important for, for young people to have a network of friends in the industry that can mm. help each other out.
1: Yeah, definitely, definitely. Joe, yeah. you know It's been amazing living with Grace. Like, we're literally, at one point, though, because we're the same age we do the same things, we enter the same things. There was a time when we were like head-to-head for It Girl and it was like everything was happening in our house and we were just doing everything the same at the same time (laughs) and we've always remained really good friends and like it's just, we've never let work come between us either. It's only ever been like really positive and lovely, which is really nice. That's
0: that's great to hear. That's great to hear. And I think the thing is, you know, that if you're running with, friends who are in in the industry, of course, they're all going to be entering the same sort of things Mm. anyway, if they're really passionate about it. And there is always going to be winners and, you know, runner-ups and bridesmaids and, you know, whatever. But it's it's all about lessons learned, isn't it? Yeah,
1: definitely. Oh my God, massively. Everything. There's a lesson in everything. Nothing's ever a failure or not worth doing. Like, if you can see a lesson in something, it's always a positive.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's, Mm. It's all about optimism in it as well for me.
1: Yeah.
0: So... Education. You seem to love education.
1: I do. I really do. Do you know what? I never thought I would. I never had, I never thought I'd end up being an educator. It just happened. Um, It happened really beautifully as well because it was, I I used to assist. um, And the company I worked in obviously had an academy. And it just, it just happened. Like each week it was like, oh, Harriet, can you do this? Can you explain that? And I was mentored in that way to go that way. But I didn't realize it was really happening. And then one day I was just like, oh, I've just taught 16 people how to do this thing. Like, oh, that's really cool. And then it just kind of went from there. Um, And I love it because I love the industry and you can pass on things. And, you know, I always learn things from my students. Like it's this beautiful exchange of things, isn't it? Um,
0: Yeah.
1: And it's, yeah, it's become a massive part of what I do. Um, and I get a lot of a fulfilment from it. Um, I've actually, um, it's not launched yet, but I'm launch, launching an education company. Um, I know. Oh, it's happening. Um, yeah. So myself and Annalise Hesse, who I used to work with, we have... I um, love her. She's awesome. We've joined forces. Yeah. Um, we're like the complete opposites in everything, but it just works so beautifully. Um, so, humankind hair is launching in the next two weeks. Um,
0: oh my god! I
1: know, I know. It's like literally like about to drop, but um, we've got a couple of dates coming up already, which is exciting. And then we're just going to see how it goes, and hopefully next year, when things are you know a bit easier, we can. Uh, out loads of
0: dates absolutely i do you know the the rise of the independent educator has been something that has mm. fascinated me in you know the last decade since i've been back in the uk i mean i started doing my own courses because nobody else wanted to work with me yeah. because i wasn't a known quantity and then it sort of developed and i still do them and i i love independent educators because we're not tied into a specific product you yeah. can be if you want to be mm-hmm but you're not tied into it, and so I feel like the conversation can be really genuine and real
1: yeah. hundred honestly a hundred percent, and that's one thing when we sat down. the first thing we both said straight away was we want to be brand neutral, and yes. that for us is is really important because we want to share with you our knowledge on everything we don't want to be you know stuck to a company saying you have to use this because of this, 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 we want to give you our real opinion and our honest yeah. advice and and it's it's so much more, more genuine um, when you do have that freedom to do that. Like we will be working with brands, but we're going to be working with things that we love working with, not being made yeah. to work with to sell. You know, and there, there is a difference.
0: There's a huge difference. I, I remember in the US when I was educating for a product company, there was a get out clause for us in that conversation that we had yeah. that we we're like, this is what this isn't. Technically correct, but this is what we do in the salon. And we were allowed to use that Mm. language, which made it really easy to use the Mm products. But in the UK, Mm -hmm. it's very much you've got to follow the brand guidelines. And it's probably for all sorts of reasons, Mm. but it isn't always the way I would do it yeah that's
1: it i struggle with that i hate rules like give me rules <laughs> and i'll run a mile like <laughs> i'm not very good with rules at all so um and that's it like creative mixing and like mix a bit of the miss yes. mix a bit of that and you know there, there has been times where i've taught for a, a big color house and when the rep would walk out the room i'd be like so i do this and then when they would come back in it's like right back to sensible um but it's yeah it's nice Whoa. to have that freedom
0: it's authentic, isn't it? Because yes, commercial colour, yeah. commercial, it's an overused word as well, unfortunately, at the moment. But I think it actually in its, it is a good word. Authenticity is a fantastic word. Oh, I
1: love
0: it. I think when you're in the dispensary or you're in a salon and you're booked, you know, you've got your 45 minute or your hour appointment. There, mm. are, there are tricks that we use that product companies say you can't do that. But they actually work. And you know they work because you've used them over and over again. And it's like, I think it's brilliant to share that. Yeah. With hairdressers because they oh, have 100%. that aha moment.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It's like, oh my God, that's going to make my life easy. And yeah. that, to me, is real education.
1: Little sh- little shortcuts. Yes. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I totally agree.
0: I'm excited to see what you're launching with that. So that's really kind of cool that it's just
1: so right.
0: fit very nicely. And by the time this goes out, it will have launched. Oh, so fantastic. That's cool. Yeah. That's
1: yeah. I suppose, yeah, that's, that's true. And
0: also, you're working for Babalus as well. Yes. You're, you're styling. You have a. You have an aesthetic that's really pretty that oh. you that you put on Instagram. Mm. And you can see how you, if anyone follows you, they can see how that's grown. Mm. And, of course, we all want to grow anyway, don't we? It all changes. Yeah,
1: of course. Yeah, change, everything always changes, doesn't it?
0: What's it like working for a... How did that happen with Babalis? I mean, you've got so much going on. I can't so, quite believe it. But do you
1: know what? Babalis is an awesome company. They are so right. supportive. Um and really, really encouraging. Like, yeah, they're amazing. Like I, when I started out in hairdressing, I preferred cutting and styling. That was my strong right. point. And when I moved to London, I gave up colour completely. Um, Did you? Yeah, I went to work for D and J Ambrose as a cutter, and then that's right. where I was commuting to for three months. And it just it just didn't work out with the commute, but also I missed colour. Um, right. And then I went obviously to work for a big colour salon, which. I then kind of forgot about my cutting and styling. So I went so the opposite into colour and, like, colour, 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 that my styling took a back seat. Um, but it was still something I absolutely loved. So Babilis, um actually, through the salon I worked for, um, asked if I'd go and do Salon International, probably about three years ago now. And it, nice. at first, my initial reaction was, like, oh, God, like, styling like I can't stand on stage and talk about styling for an hour like I, I I can talk about color in my sleep but it was just that that moment of like oh god I haven't done this for so long but actually once I was doing it I was just like this was my passion like I loved it so it kind of started from there really um and then I did I think I've done two talent internationals with them um and then they reached out and said do you want to do a creative head shoot and Got me on board of that, ended up getting a front cover, which was amazing.
0: Uh, yeah, I mean, that's fantastic, isn't it? To have a front cover.
1: When Sam told me, it was so funny. So, Sam's the PR for Babalus. When he told me at Creative Head that I had the cover for the following month, I started crying on the dance floor. <laughs> He was just staring at me like you weirdo, um, but it meant a lot. It's pretty amazing you, though. I, I mean, I it's know. like I was. I
0: mean, not uh, everyone gets that.
1: No, I was. Oh, I was really happy. But I think having a company that believe in you as well and want to back you just yeah. made me think. Do you know what? I can do this. Um, and I think a lot of people. I know I do sometimes. Like I talk myself out of things. Like, oh, you're not good enough to do that. You can't do that, you know, but yeah. you can. You definitely can. It's believing in yourself. But um
0: It's that internal thing.
1: Yeah, it's isn't like it? it's that get,
0: internal conversation you get have. Get rid of that little voice. Go away. Yeah,
1: go on, bugger yeah. off. Um but during lockdown as well, they were really, really good. They kind of uh, reached out to the team that they work with, all the different artists, um, and basically just said, like, we want to create content with you guys. Like, obviously you're all at home not being able to work, so we want to support you. So that kept us busy in lockdown as well, which was a lot of fun.
0: But I think that lockdown, I mean, you know, the company I work for, you know, really supportive too. I mean, it's like people showed their true colours in lockdown, Mm, I
1: think. Massively. It was, yeah, it was really beautiful. But like I was saying a second ago, I've always loved styling and I've always done my clients' hair start to finish. I was never very good with sharing clients with people unless I thought somebody um was better at something and would make that better like for example uh, there's a cutter called ross that i used to work with and he was insane at cutting and for certain clients i'm like i'm not your cutter i'm not your hairdresser for this i'll color your hair but we'll send you to ross and i still share a client with him now actually she comes in, she comes from brighton i color her hair at, um hunter collective where I'm base now and then we get in an Uber with wet hair, I wrap her hair up in a towel, and then I Uber her to Ross's salon, and he goes and cuts it. <laughs> and we have, like, a little evening. We're having some wine and stuff. It's lovely. I like that, though. Yeah, I don't, love it. I don't
0: believe that we have all have to be great at everything. No. no
1: I, and that... I know my weak points, for sure. Yeah. And if a client sits in my chair and is like, I want this, and this is the biggest, the hardest thing that I've learned so far as a hairdresser because I went down the route of colour so much... And I forgot about my cutting and actually the clientele that I had was not short hair. It was long hair. So when I'd mm. gone from loving short hair, I went to hating it. And it hit me one day when a client sat in my chair and she showed me something. I was like, I actually don't think I can do that anymore. I had to say it to her. I just went, I'm really sorry. I'm not the person to do this. Like, I want to do your hair and I can do that haircut. But you deserve to have someone that absolutely loves doing that haircut and will make it yeah. the best it can be for you. Um and that was really empowering empower, because it was like, I've just said no to someone. Yeah, it hurts you because hurts your ego a little bit because you want to be able to do it. But actually, if it's not right for that client and you're not the best person for the job, you're not the best person for the job, you know?
0: Yeah. And I, I think that lots of people don't feel, um, and I think it's wonderful that you're saying it, I think lots of people don't feel empowered to say that mm. and they feel they've got to be good at everything. Yeah. and. As our industry sort of knuckles down on USPs, Mm -hmm. I think that it's okay for somebody to say, actually, I think there's somebody better for you, or I think somebody else can do that. And, you know, because at the end of the day, it's about the client, isn't it? It's about her experience and Mm -hmm. how she feels. Now, I thought it was funny that you said in that about styling that you sort of, but your Instagram page colour doesn't look great without a style does oh, it oh
1: my god yeah that's that's the key point and that was always my yeah. key message when i started talking for bubble was you know you can be an amazing colorist, but you need to be able to style that to show that off you know
0: if you if you can't do that then your colour looks
1: crap mm, to, say, yeah. to
0: say the least and yeah and it, it could it be a really good.
1: beautiful colour but it's just not been styled in a way that executes it well
0: yeah, mm. exactly. And then that's when I sort of have the disappointment when I see it. And I'm like, oh, why, why has it been blow dried like that? Yeah. So, of course, I, I did start off cutting and colouring, yeah. cutting and colouring. And then I only like colour because I didn't understand. Sorry, I only like cuts because I didn't understand colouring. Yeah. And then I've gone the other way. And yes. now I don't do any blow drying. Yeah. And, um, you know, I can get the straighteners out and that's about it. Yeah. But <laughs> I do know that to make my balayage look good, it's got to be styled yes, well. Yes,
1: it does. It doesn't it?
0: Yeah. Mm. And that kind of leads us on to really Instagram. Mm. And I mean, you've got this fantastic following on there. You've done incredibly well on there. But we were at Colour World the other week and you'd been in the day before doing something. And then on the, I think it was on the Sunday that we were both there and I, and you were actually with Grace and you both had these fantastic colours going on. Mm. And I was just peering into your phone watching what you were looking at because you've got this, I don't know, you just know what you're shooting for, and I think so many people. And you actually did a whole, you did a whole genius bar on that too.
1: Yeah, I did. I, I, yeah, I did a topic on
0: it. Yeah, so that's actually still available, guys. I think until Christmas on Colour World. Um, how did you? What do you look for in a picture? Mm. Um, and did it come? Was it innate to you? Was it really easy for you, or was it something that you learn and? There's three parts to this question because yes. there's so much going on in there. <laughs> uh, so you'll probably, will forget it all and try again. And <laughs> what would your advice be to people say that it, oh, that's not for me. I can't yeah. do that.
1: Do you know what? So I absolutely love photography. Right. I really. And it, it makes a difference. It does. Like when I was um, doing this hair course at school, they did say at one point, you can do it, um your mvq level two alongside photography so i went out and bought myself a camera and um got all excited and you know all the gear no idea um and then they kind of said no that's not going to work like if you're going to be training to be a hairdresser you need to be training to be a hairdresser so i kind of gave up on that photography thing um but it's always been an interest of mine and something that i've really wanted to explore um, and when I joined my first salon, Theo Giorgio, my boss was a photographer. So on the weekends in his other salon, he had a studio. So he used to shoot every, nice. every weekend. And, you know, he kind of opened my eyes to photo shoots, but he tried, like taught me what I was looking for, you know. And because he's a hairdresser, he knew what he was looking for hair-wise in a shot. And I think that's where my interest started. Um, and social media, like if you go right back to my the beginning of my page... I think it was 2013 I started posting and I've always posted my hair work. Every salon I've worked in, I've always got my clients taking pictures of their hair and shared it. Always, always, always. And, um, It's just been something that I love doing and not even just hair. I love taking pictures of everything. I'll go for a walk and I'll find the most beautiful countryside or flowers or whatever. And for me, it's just really exciting. I love it. My phone hates me because it's full. It's constantly saying no storage. There's about 20, no, 47,000 pictures on there at the moment, which is ridiculous. Um, So (laughs) I think... My biggest thing when it comes to taking pictures of clients is a lot of people refrain away from doing it because they don't know what to do or what to look for. Yes. And then it's... Yeah, I totally agree. And then time. Like, because they don't know what they're doing, it takes them time. No one actually books time in the diary to take pictures at the end of a haircut. It is literally between clients, like, bam, 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 next. And my biggest advice would be to practice and don't practice on your clients practice on your colleagues your assistants practice on your friends or models or whatever get people in find the good lighting in your salon find the good background and then figure out what works for you and what's easy for you to capture and then work on that you know don't try and like bite off more than you can chew and try and get, you know, a million photos of different angles. Just find one simple angle that works for you and just try and try and nail that. So then when you're done with that client and you're half an hour behind, you can get that picture in two minutes instead of half an hour, you know, because I don't book the time out <laughs> and I'm always behind, always behind. Do you not? Well, actually, you not, don't book time out. Not anymore. No. So when no. I worked at the other place, I'd have four clients at once. And then my next client would be sat watching me, waiting for me. And I'd be like, get finishing my one client off, running behind. But I'd still make time to take pictures of her. But I'd got my speed up so quick that it didn't take much time. Um, right. And that's the key thing, like, is training your eye to see things in the picture. Um, and what your focal point is in that picture. Do you want the face frames to be the focal point? Do you want, you know, the, the waves to be the focal point? It's just finding what works for you. Um, And also my biggest tip would be take one picture and then look at that picture on your phone and see if there's anything out of place, a hair out of place and move it and then take lots more pictures. Because if you take a picture and don't check it and just keep taking loads and loads and loads and thinking you've got the shot. When you come back... To- and
0: then some hair stuck in her mouth oh or something. Oh, my God. Yeah. Do you
1: know what? Yeah. I, do you know I've had a really awkward moment with that, actually. I was taking a picture <laughs> of a client. This is awful. And um, she, she was like, her body was square on to me. And she had a graduated bob. Someone else had cut her hair. And um, we got her head turned to the side. So kind of her body's still at me, her head's to the side. And as she's looking away, she can't see me. But I said to her, oh, you got a hair. I'm just going to move it. So I went to, like, blow on her chest and, like, wipe off her hair. And it wouldn't go. So I pulled the hair. And it was attached. And it was, like, on her oh. boob. I know. And I <laughs> pulled this oh. hair. I <laughs> was, like, on her, like, mortified. Mortified. So, maybe don't try and take hairs off people's chests when you're taking their picture. But, um, yeah. Honestly, Harriet. Not my proudest moment. Had, <laughs>
0: that, I mean, that's funny, but it's also embarrassing for the client Mortifying. and for you, too. Mortifying. Yeah.
1: I just went, oh, lovely, it's gone. And I just pretended it had gone, but definitely hadn't.
0: Oh, my goodness. I know, drama. I,
1: mean,
0: I might put that in the bloopers. Oh,
1: drama. <laughs> the blooper
0: reel. Yes. <laughs> I love the advice, though, because. Um, I just start taking pictures and then get annoyed with myself. I get so mad Yeah, with it's frustrating. Yeah. But the thing is, what you're saying is, it's the same as what I would say to somebody with doing a freehand application. Practice, practice, practice. Exactly. Don't do it on a client straight away. So the rules don't change. No, they don't it's just change. A it's, a, it's a different medium.
1: Exactly. Oh, 100% definitely. It's like if you want to cook a meal for someone, don't practice a meal for the person you're cooking for. You know, if you've got a hot date coming around... Don't just practice it. Then I can't cook, <laughs> it. so it's
0: so you're doing a lot of practicing.
1: Well, Grace cooks. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Love it, even better.
1: I clean, she cooks.
0: So I'd like to talk to you about the fact that you have made the decision, and it's it's pretty radical, I think, for a lot of people. Um, I can certainly see. The benefits of it in it from going from a super busy salon that was just like busy, busy, busy to going and working at Hunter Collective. Of course, I'm a huge fan of Lacey, I'm a huge fan of Hunter Collective anyway, and the people that work there. Mm -hmm. And you made that decision. Was it something that you just decided to do, or was it a process for you? Or a process, I should say.
1: Oh, it was such a process. Like, I think. When you're about to make a massive change in your life, it's not something overnight. It's something that's well thought out. You've thought of every avenue, every possibility the, the look like the kind of what can happen if it goes wrong? What happens if it goes right? Like you have to explore all avenues. Yeah. Um, my, I, 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 I called it the exit plan. The exit plan was in uh, force for a year. Yes. Prior to leaving,
0: well, it's it was a big move. It was a big move, and I don't.
1: Oh, it was a it was a huge move, and I'm. I was 24 when I started planning the move, and it was like, is this the right time? Mm. Am I doing the right thing? You know, so it wasn't. um, And also, I wasn't actually ever. I wasn't planning to go freelance for a year. I was actually planning to move to Australia. Right. So that's the kind of spanner in the works. I um, decided that I was going to move countries and go and do something different and go to Australia, go focus on cutting and styling down there and go and learn as much as I could from the other side of the world and, like, go and pick everyone's brains over there and then eventually come back to London and, you know, do my own thing and go freelance. Um, So I also think the whole Australia thing was just, like, get away and actually just go and have a proper break. Yes, So that, that, yeah, that was the original plan. And because my diary was planned so far in advance, I already knew what I was doing until June this year, last summer. So it had to be planned out so far ahead. Um, and I was very transparent with my old boss. I told her in January that I was leaving, um, for the May time. So that was a six month's notice. And, um, yeah, it was it was it was a funny one because obviously then we went into lockdown in yes. March. Ch- and
0: changed everything, hey?
1: Yeah, it did, completely. So I was in this like mindset of like moving countries, and then lockdown happened, and I went into lockdown just like, oh my god, like what mm. now? And obviously it was a two-week um plan of lockdown which turned into three months. But that gave me that time frame, like I was saying before, to really step back and be like, okay, what do I actually mm. want? And do I actually want to move countries? Like, was that just me wanting a break? Was that, like, what was that? Um, so I decided that freelance was the best option for me. Um, And having that time to sit and plan and, you know, go through all the different um options was was invaluable. Like, it was an amazing time for me to do that. And it is a scary thing. And freelance isn't for everyone. No, it's not. I, I, I definitely don't think, it's definitely not. It's a bold move um my mom and my brother are both freelance hairdressers so I know um you know they've been telling me to do it for years but because I was so passionate about the industry and like learning as much as I could being in a salon and being employed was the right thing for me Mm -hmm. um and obviously I got to the point where was like okay I need to move on um and I think yeah as well like I was saying earlier work-life balance was 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 is really important to me and that was what I saw working best for me right now, I couldn't imagine moving on to another salon and having to work up again.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, incredibly hard. And I'd built a fantastic clientele um, where I was. And the kind of, obviously when you leave somewhere as well, it's it's that awkward thing of like, well, what happens with clients? And obviously, because no, everyone thought I was moving countries, no one, I didn't know I was staying in London. No one knew I was staying in London. So I was very fortunate when I announced on Instagram, I was staying in London that, a a large amount of the clients reached out. I'd probably say that 90% of that clientele that I'd been looking after for four yeah. years reached out. And it put me in a really comfortable position and a secure position because, you know, it was mid-lockdown where I announced, oh, I'm going freelance, but actually couldn't do any hair anyway. Yeah. So it was that moment of like, I don't even know if I have clients to go back to in July. Um, I think a, a lot yeah, of us really, felt that re- way
0: though. I think a lot of us didn't know what we yeah, were going to go of course. back to. It was quite terrifying. No.
1: It's there there completely.
0: There are a couple of things in there, Harriet, that I think are really admirable, and that I think that mm. they speak to good character. One is that you gave six months' notice, and I think if you've worked for a company for a long time and that you've grown in it and mm. done all those things, I think giving six months' notice is only fair.
1: Yeah, of course. For them, it was only for them right. To prep. And I, Mm.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I, I, I love that, that piece of that conversation. And the second one is, mm. of course, that so many salons have that really old fashioned attitude about, you know, they don't want stylists giving the numbers out and all of that. But you know, it's, it's a modern world. And clients will always find you wherever you are. It's just so much easier. Oh,
1: of course. So you make
0: an announcement and clients make the choice.
1: Yes. And th- this is it. No, and this is and I've always stood firmly by my belief that clients don't belong to no. anyone. They're not mine. They're not as salon's. They're their own humans that decide where they spend their money. Yeah. And what I've realized is, you know, going on my own as well and now doing one-to-one services, that time that I spend with my clients is so important to them. And they've followed me and reached out and wanted to be my clients and continue having their hair done by me and the conversations that i'm having with them is you know that they always loved me doing their hair and it's this you you build this connection this rapport with them and they trust yes. you and it's it's something that i think sometimes we we forget as hairdressers like how much we do for our clients in many different ways other than yes. hair and um and more more than ever now having that one on one time is is um really important to them so yeah it's been it's been a really Beautiful transition, and I really, really loved it. And just taking it head on and just ran with it. And it's yeah, I'm, I'm absolutely loving it. And for the first time in like years, I feel just so relaxed and so happy. Yeah. And it. You
0: seem really chilled, and you look really happy. I do. Yeah.
1: Honestly, I've never been this chilled. I'm just like whatever, <laughs> whatever.
0: Somebody said to me many, many years ago, and I can't remember who it was. I think it was a boss, actually. And he just said to me, you don't realise the impact that you have on that person in your chair. And that so many people yeah. live on their own, are lonely, don't get touched by mm. anyone or anything. And then you, you come yeah. in, the hairdresser comes in, and we might touch somebody on the shoulder. At one point, we used to be able to give them a hug or a kiss. We can't do that anymore. Mm. But we, we, aren't, yeah. we don't just do hair.
1: No, we don't. We're literally we're therapists. We're literally therapists. We're friends. We're, you know, all these yeah. things. And you know what? Actually, that, that really kind of hit home for me when we came out of lockdown. And um, people, you know, were coming in to have their hair done. And the first thing I'd ask my clients is, how are you feeling? Yes. Like, do you feel safe? Do you feel comfortable? Yeah. Like, how do, you, how do you feel, like, with everything going on? Just to gauge, you know, where, where they're at. And this one client in particular sat down. And I, I, I went to touch her hair and she she flinched and she like moved really quickly and it made me realise like oh my god these people haven't had contact with anyone for three months and also this client lived on her own yeah. so I was the first person I'd probably put my hand on her for like three months it was yeah it really kind of made me realise how much of an impact we have on people's lives.
0: I was talking to another guest uh, recently and I was saying how much so I work in a very busy salon you know with you know, sixty of us when we all used to work in there at one oh point. Goodness, you know,
1: sixty sort of wow. eight colorists
0: on a Friday. Yeah. You know, six chairs, that kind of thing, madness. And yeah. since we've gone into these pods, which is a bit like you going to work at Hunter, which is it's less people in there. It's very Hunter's collective yes. guys is so spread out. It's just an amazing space, light filled, fantastic. But I found in since since we came out of lockdown that I've enjoyed hairdressing more because I'm not stressed yes. out by a million people next to me. I can still do the same amount of clients that I do. I mean, I'm not doing 20 clients a day or anything. You know, I do sort of seven or eight and that's me happy. Mm-hmm. But there, there isn't somebody next to me either side. I'm not trying to sort mm-hmm. of move around. And I think the age of that type of busy salon is over.
1: Yes, I do as well.
0: Yeah, I think it's over because one, obviously we can't work like that. But Mm -hmm. I also think that clients don't want to be like that anymore. No, they don't. They love the intimacy. Oh, my God.
1: Yeah, 100%. All of the feedback from my clients who have come with me and who I've been doing previously, all of their feedback has just been, this is so beautiful and relaxing. Yeah. And to have you not stressed and chilled and in your element is amazing. And that's like, it kind of made me feel really guilty, actually, about the way that I used to work But that was just what you have to do when you work in a big, busy salon, have multiple clients at once. And, you know, that's how you put bums on seats and pay pay bills. And I respect that. But I, for a very long time, probably the last two years, had been trying to push having like one client at a time and giving that level of service that I've always wanted to give, which is more personal, more intimate, more kind of, you know, you, that person and taking their hair from start to finish yourself, you know. And that's that's been something I've always wanted
0: to do. I think I think I'm happier doing less days in the salon, slightly longer hours, so yeah. that the all because we've got three pods working out of yeah. the salon. But I just feel like the client experience and the client journey, which is just brilliant for me now. And it just makes me actually makes me a nicer person at work instead of yes. being this grumpy old man.
1: Also me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I don't think you're a grumpy it. old
0: man, but grumpy,
1: yeah. Well, yeah, I'm not an old man. But um <laughs> I used to um I used to say to the assistants at the old salons, every salon I've worked in, probably just like I'm. You don't know me. They're like, "What do you mean?" I'm like, "You just know stressed, Harriet. Like yes. having to deal with that many people at once is like you just know stressed me. Like if someone yeah. came and spent a day with me now, I'm so relaxed. I'm like it's ridiculous. But um, yeah, I think it's important to, when you're given such a an expensive service and you know doing such a big thing for like your clients, being relaxed and happy is part mm. of that, isn't it?
0: yeah I think it's a new way of working, and I think mm. that space is now a premium, yes. and you certainly got some space at oh my Hunter God Collective. I have
1: oh, yeah. I love it it's so big and I'm always yeah. I'm always in a corner somewhere as well. I love a corner
0: i I love it there I'm there actually in a couple of weeks doing a class Are you? And yeah, and i just I love that space I'm so yeah, it's you gorgeous. know I can see why you look so happy
1: Oh yeah, um, honestly, loving it. Absolutely loving
0: it, Harriet. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to come and talk with us today on the Everyday Hair Colourist. I'm looking forward to seeing what you're going to do in the future, most definitely, Mm. and I'm certainly looking forward to seeing the launch of your new education. What was it called again?
1: Humankind Hair.
0: Humankind Hair, guys. Look out for that.
1: Mm, Thanks very much. Thanks for having
0: me. Absolute pleasure. A joy. So, I hope you enjoyed this podcast as much as I did making it for you. Don't forget to subscribe on your channel that you download your podcasts from. iTunes is my favourite, but I know there are others out there. And also, if you want to follow me on stories on Instagram, it's Jack Howard Colour, C O L O R, the American way, not the English way. And on Facebook, it's Jack Howard Colour, C O L O R. And my website is www.jackhowardcolor.com.